Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. As Rob said, we're, we're beginning a new series about relationships and we're using um, um, Liz, yep, there we go. Um, we're, we're looking at the life of um, King, well, of David. Uh, and just uh, looking into his life and seeing how he does relationships. Now, the um, a quick bit of background. We first hear of, of David in 1 Samuel 16. Now, I don't know if you've got a Bible. You may want to just bring it up. I'm going to be looking at 1 Samuel 16 and 1 Samuel 17. They're, they're just the, the, the first bits, but it's good, actually, if you've got something, swipe, turn, it's good to see it. Um, we first hear of David um, in 1 Samuel 16, and it's when um, Samuel is looking for a new king. God has basically said that Saul has not done what he wanted him to do, and and the Lord sends Samuel to Jesse's family. Jesse's just a, you know, an ordinary guy. He's got kids. He's, um, and he comes to him and he says, I want you to um, um, prepare your family for, for this thing. And so he says, I want you to um, consecrate your family. But it's interesting because when you look at the text in 1 Samuel 16, it, it almost feels like David wasn't even included in that. Now, David is the youngest of, of six boys in the family, and he has got the noble task of looking after the sheep. And it feels a, quite a lot in this first part of this chapter is that Samuel is the forgotten son. He's the youngest, he has, like his, his life is just, you, you know when you're in a big family, the youngest, just go and do, just go look after the sheep. And it feels almost like Jesse's forgotten his name. Um, and so Samuel's, uh, David's off doing the sheep. And so when it comes to this event that, that Samuel has come to choose the, the new king, um, Jesse lines up his sons, and there's the eldest, and um, he's, he's, you know, older, bigger, stronger. He looks the thing, and, and, and Samuel thinks, oh, well, this looks like the one. And then the Lord says this to Samuel in verse 7. Uh, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, I know that made sense for you. I wonder what that means for you right now. If you just let... I just feel like I want to ponder on this verse. What do you feel like the Lord's saying to you about this verse? Like, I don't think 
the Lord is saying it's wrong for us to look at the outward appearance because that's what we do. I don't know about you. We look at the outward appearance in a whole bunch of things. But I think, I think when it came to seeing what God was doing in someone, the Lord wanted to remind Samuel that he doesn't do it the way we do it. The Lord looks right at our hearts. He, the Lord, the Lord saw something in David. And so, you know, Samuel says to Jesse, is this all you've got? <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, that's right, I have another son. What's his name? He's, he's with the sheep. And they, and they stay standing, it says. It said, well, we're just going to stand here until he comes. So, and you know when Shep, like, I don't know, how, it doesn't say how long they stood for. But he could have been three miles down the road. I mean, and so they're just standing there waiting. And so part of this is this, this time in David's life when he's just, he's the youngest, he's growing up um, in this family, a whole lot of brothers, they're all doing the brotherly thing. And, and finally David appears and the Lord says to Samuel, this is the one. Anoint him. Um, now, I don't know about you, but sometimes um, we can feel a little bit um, the forgotten one, the, the one not lifted up, the one not in, you know, up front of everyone, and we're a little bit wondering, well, who am I? You know, do, does my life, does my... I imagine David may well have felt like that because he was always the youngest. It's the problem. You never grow out of being the youngest. I'm the youngest. You're still the youngest. Even when you get old, you're still the youngest. So, and, um, and sometimes... Who's a twin in here? Um, is, there, is there conversation between you and the other twin about who's the oldest and who's the youngest? Even if it's like five minutes? It's like, excuse me, I'm the oldest. Five minutes? Come on now! <laughs> but uh, there's this sense of... It is interesting, isn't it, to think that sometimes we can look and wonder, are we sort of left a, a bit forgotten? We're off in the side. And I feel like... Um, one of the things I felt like the Lord wanted to, to say to us is that no matter where we feel we are in life or in, in business or in the family, whatever that looks like, we may feel a little bit like the forgotten one. And I feel like the Lord wants to say, you're never forgotten in my economy. Because the Lord sees. And I love that the Lord sees. I like, you know... I. Often on Sunday mornings, I come here and I, I'm giving away my secrets, sorry. <laughs> I, I watch you. I watch you worship. Now, you're going to go, oh, flip, you know, you're going to look, where's Phil? Where's he looking at me? <laughs> I better put my hands in the air or something, you know. I don't know. But I, you know what? I, I, I love watching you. Because I see you in a whole bunch of different places pursuing God. 
and just um, being honest before him. You know, some of you are just quiet and reflecting on what you're reading and going, yeah, is this the song I want to sing this morning? Is this my song this morning? You know how sometimes we can, they, can, they, can, they do a great job. They are awesome. But they sing your song and you're like, oh my goodness, that's my song today. And God sort of plonked it in there and did all that thing. And, but, but I just see a bunch of amazing people who are just pursuing God. And wanting him and wanting, and wanting to honour him with who you are. And God is so proud of you. He has a whole world of people who couldn't give a rip about him. But you do. And that's amazing. And you may not think, you know, you're the eldest, you're the brightest, you're the tallest, you're the best looking or whatever. But God sees your heart. And he's very proud of you in how you bring yourself to him, that you choose to come. You choose to say, Lord, I'm going to stay connected to church. I know it's good. I know it's what I need to do. And I know it honours you. And it's like you come and you serve and you worship. And so that's something very special that God sees in David. So, um, so Samuel... God says David's the one and he goes over him to him and in verse 13 it says this. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers and from that day on the spirit of the Lord came, upon, um, came powerfully upon David. So it's interesting here, this is Old Testament remember. So not only is he anointed physically, he's also anointed spiritually. Now I just want to go fly through to who we are. When we give our lives to the Lord, we are anointed by the Holy Spirit. We are immersed and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that sense of power resides within us from the day we say yes to Jesus. It came on Jesus for the calling of kingship, but it comes on us to, for the calling of priesthood, of servanthood, of being a light to the nations, of being a husband, of being a wife, of being a faithful employee, of being leaders. Lord anoints us for what he has called us to be, both physically but as well as spiritually. And so that's what happens to David. And so we see that happening. So I just want to remind us about that. So what are the things that that we can see about David's upbringing in his family that have influenced... Because you're sort of like, Lord, what did you see in David? Like, like what, what was in his heart that, that caught your attention? Well, the first thing is he lived in a place of humility. A little bit what I've spoken about. He's the youngest. He's required to obey his father, obey his older brothers. He does that. And while there's, there's not a lot of record in Scripture about conversations with his, his siblings, he has a bit of an issue with his older brother a bit later. We'll look at that. But, um, but we see um, even after he's anointed, he doesn't go, okay, I'm going to be king. Woohoo! Stand back. Come on. Where does he go? He goes back to the fields. Really interesting. He's anointed as king of Israel. And his next port of call is back with the sheep. 
So he's later asked by his father to go into Saul's court to attend the king with music, um, and he does that fully knowing, not that Saul knew, but he went into Saul's service fully knowing that God had said yes to him to replace Saul. That's a pretty huge thing, to rock in there and not go, hey, step aside. He just come and he serves the king. And the third thing is, he, he just what we see, his obedience to his dad. He's, he's told to shepherd the sheep, he does it. His dad, when the war happens with the Philistines, um, which is sort of the next chapter, um, his dad sends him regularly to go to the, to the battlefront with supplies for his brothers because his older three brothers are off at war doing the, the war thing, you know what I mean? And um, so he goes there, takes supplies, and he does that a number of times. And so the first thing is he lived in a place of humility, even though sort of a little bit forgotten. The next thing is he lived in a place of worship. Psalm 22, 9 and 10 says this, Yet you brought me out of the womb and you made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Psalm 71 says this, For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. Uh, this morning I, I, I just did a quick scan through Psalms and just looked at, at the words that David wrote, or the songs that he sang. Um, in a whole, even before he became a king, he was singing songs. As a kid, he was singing songs. He just did it all the time. And so he, was, he lived in a place of worship. And it's just, it is really powerful. It's interesting that, that even when he was in dire straits, where did he go? He went to worship. You read, you know, you know how the top of some of the Psalms, it says, you know, Psalm of David, when da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da happened? You look at that, and all of those, well, not all of them, but a number of them have got, oh, yeah, when he was running from Saul or when he was, he was um, um, betrayed by, by, he went and hid in, a, hid in a town and somebody betrayed him, and he goes to worship. And I'm a little bit like, this is phenomenal. What the Lord saw in him was that he was a man who just went to the Lord no matter what was happening in life. And he's saying, how many of you, when you've got no money to pay the next bill, go, it's time for worship? We, just, we, we often don't, but that's what he, that, that was in David. There was something in him that just drew him to worship. And it's, see, I don't know whether you've noticed, worship's pretty important for us as a church and as a movement. We do worship. And we try and help people move from singing to worship. Because it's, it's not just we sing songs. Like, like we have conversations in the office and with Anna and our, and our worship guy saying, you know what, what we do in the morning is not to get through a set. What we are here to do, up on these guys up here, are to get us into the presence of the Lord. And it's wonderful watching you guys get there. So much so that sometimes I stop worship, I stop singing because I'm with the Lord. Does that make sense? That's who we are. 
And that's why it's so important for us to begin with worship because that was what founded David's life. He went to worship. He went to the Lord and said, Lord, this is what's going on. And he didn't go, oh, Lord, I think you're amazing all the time. And la, da, da, da. He goes, God, this is hard. Can you slay my enemies? Because, you know, he's, he's calling out to the Lord, but he's going to the Lord in every stage of life, even when he messes up big time. David does everything well, even sin. He sins well. We'll talk about that later. Not, not this morning, but later. But he does that really well. But you know what? Nathan busts him. Where does he go? He goes to worship. And he says, my God, I thank you that you're a merciful God. And that even though you've seen right into the core of my being and you've seen the evil that's been in my heart and all that I've done, thank you that you went to worship. Thank you that you forgive me. And he goes and he worships God. So he lives in a place. He found that, it's interesting, I think it is, he found that sacred place or that sacred space of being honestly with God. Of us coming to the Lord and going, Lord, this is, this is who I am. This is how I'm feeling right now. This is what annoys me. This is what excites me. He goes to that place. And the last thing is, we see him learning to live in power. Now, um, on one of the trips, now we're moving on to Samuel uh, 17. So this is the story of, of Goliath. Don't we love this Goliath? And anyway, um, and um, see, pretty picture. That was his real hand too. So it looks pretty good. Um, so on one of the trips to the battlefront, he goes there and he hears Goliath's taunt of the Israelite nation. And, um, and David's response is this. He says in verse 26 of chapter 17, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, David in his, in his growth was beginning to see what God was seeing. Because... The Israelite nation, including the king, Saul, was looking at this big dude going, ah, scary guy. Um, David came and saw this big guy and going, who are you to stand against God? And so David was, the presence of the spirit was on, that was on him was helping him to read much clearer what actually was going on. I wonder if you need that. I wonder in the circumstances of your life, no matter where you are, I mean, this is war. So you could go, yeah, I go to work every morning. It's war. You know what I mean? God was giving him a perspective of what was really going on. I think we can ask that. Lord, what's ha happening here? Why is there this war going on in my workplace or in this relationship or what's happening? He saw, he began to see what God was actually doing in these circumstances. And so... Even though his older brother rebukes him for this you know, younger son thing, like, come on, you're just here to get a bit of whatever, um, his passion for the rule of God over his nation is taking great root in his heart. And you know what? I think what has been stirring in us in, 
in this church and in our movement in these recent months is this sense that, wait a minute, God is here to rule. Yes? He's here to bring his rule. Bring his rule over sickness, over disease, over evil. He's here to bring his rule. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to introduce us to the presence of the living God and that he would come and bring his rule. And David was seeing that. And so strange as it may seem, his passion for the Lord gets the attention of the king. And for some strange reason, Saul says, Oh, okay, you go fight Goliath. Like, where was the king? I mean, my goodness. He's a teenager. And, he, and the king does this whole stupid thing. Oh, I'll give you my armour. That'll help. And he puts it on and it's like, I don't know, like, it must have been hilarious. It's like, what are you... Yeah. Anyway, funny. So, and then, but David goes out and fights Goliath. And I want to read what he says. Because this is a remarkable statement of a man, of a boy, young man, filled with the spirit, but very clear about what he's called to do. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Like, amen, hallelujah, preacher Jesus. Don't you reckon? I mean, my goodness, what was stirring in this young man's heart? He was learning what it is to be empowered by the Spirit of God. And he was doing a mighty fine job. He knew what would propel the stone. He knew it wasn't just his ability to fling that thing around his head. He knew that that stone was being directed by the very God of the universe and it was going to find its place. That was the confidence he had. It wasn't a self-confidence, but it was a confidence he had that God was in charge and that he knew God would save them as a nation. And so some three things about, I think, what God saw growing in this young man. The other thing is, well, what does David see about his own development? I think, firstly, um, he sees that God is clearly directing his paths. It just seems too much of a coincidence that, um, uh, that after he's anointed, he's taken into the service of Saul. Um, he, d- he just sees it. He's like, God, you're there. Every step, you seem to be directing this stuff. The next thing is, he, his development in obscurity was not wasted. Do you wonder sometimes why stuff happens to you or why you're going through a particular situation and going, well, what's this about? But for whatever reason, David saw that what happened to him in obscurity was actually training for tomorrow. He says to the king, when the king challenges him about his capacity to kill Goliath, he says, 
you know what? I'm a shepherd. And sometimes we think as shepherds, come on, sheepies, follow me. But you know what? Part of the role was protection of the, shepherd, protection of the sheep. He learnt how to kill lions and tigers and bears. Or whatever were there, you know. I mean, I'm just doing a Wizard of Oz thing. But um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? He learnt to kill the lion. God trained him up. And so I, wanna, I think we all, and me, myself, we need to know that, that yesterday is training, or is always training for tomorrow, even if it's in obscurity. Even if we feel like, yeah, but I'm out here having no influence, no whatever, whatever. David saw that God was training him, raising sheep, protecting sheep. Do you see that God is equipping you and training you through both the good and the hard things of life? We learn most when things are hard. And the third thing is he chooses to honour those in authority over him. David first obeyed and honoured his God. Then he obeyed and honoured his father. And then he obeyed and honoured the king. And you will, I'm not too sure what others will say in weeks ahead, but we will hear David say, I'll not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed, even though the Lord's anointed was an evil man. That's huge. That's a bold statement of honour. And, and sometimes we're called to honour those who we don't regard as worthy of honour. He had the chance to kill the king. His, his fellow people, his, his mates, the rebels who were with him said, here's your opportunity, God. Put it in your hand. Sounds really good. And, God said, and David says, no, I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. And so it is, it's a a lesson for us is how we treat leadership and how we treat people who are in authority over us. I feel as we honour those in authority, we will be granted authority. That's what I see the kingdom principle happening here. So um, David was called a man after God's own heart. For all the good things he did, I want to be like him. I don't know about you, not the bad things. But in the things that he did well, unlike his worthy of of our respect, but also of learning from and um, in how he, how he honoured his family and, and followed the Lord. I want to stop and sort of see what the Lord's going to do with us right now. Um, I, I wonder what the Lord's been saying to you through this time. What, what has landed? Is it the Lord looks at the heart, not the outer thing? When you get up in the morning, are you distracted by the person in the mirror? And, or are you going, Lord, what, what do you see in that person? When, when we were doing Sockham this year, we met um, at Cafe 38 around the corner here, and there was a, a waitress who was there a lot, and and I said to her one morning, would you like to know what God thinks of you? You know, you say that to all, don't you? Anyway, and, um, and she said, no, I think, I think God doesn't like me very much at all. I'm, you know, she, she's, she was living with her boyfriend. She had a... Um, she was from 
Romania, so, you know, up in that. So she, she just felt like she had a Catholic upbringing and she wasn't really living an honourable life. And I said to her, God loves you to bits. You know, and that really threw her. But I, I, I say that by saying, I sometimes wonder whether we think God doesn't like us very much. That we have done stuff or not done stuff that we think has disappointed him. And we wonder, what does God think? What does God see? Because God does see. And so it, it sort of holds that our response to that question can make us hold God at a distance and just feel like, I just don't want to go there because I feel like he's just going to be angry with me. And so I just choose to not listen or not want to hear what he says. But like the, gospel, the good news... That's why it's called good news. The good news is that God loves every one of us to bits. And he likes us. He really likes us. He likes hanging out with us. He likes what, God is, what, what our lives are about. And it's like, well, what about the bad stuff? He said, well, Jesus did that. He got rid of it. It's all gone. And so as we come to the Lord, we come to him as he's as people hungry for him and he just all he wants to do is to reveal his love like he just didn't go oh, flip you annoy me i'm just going to have to sort you out that's not how our god is his motivation in all his actions towards us was just so that we would know we are loved by god no matter where we are what we've done see did god know that david would mess up Big time. Adultery, murder. Not a good track record, but he did that after being anointed, after being filled with the Spirit, after becoming king. That makes it worse, doesn't it? Like, I wasn't even a bad, bad. Like, like he, he was a non. You know what I mean? We can mess up as Christians as well. We can mess up in our journey, and God goes, you know what? That's why Jesus died. So you wouldn't have to be defined by thinking, I'm a mess, I've got no hope, I'm disqualified, I'm out of the race. And God goes, you are not out of the race. I see you and I love you and I want you to enjoy all that I have for you. I feel like God's been giving me this picture of this big banqueting table and it's just full of stuff. Like it's not, not just food for those people. Oh, banquet, food. It's, more, it's like every blessing of the Lord is piled up on this table and it's multicolored. And I just feel like the Lord's saying, Phil, just give it away. This is what's here for everyone to get. And this is this wonderful invitation that God is giving us to believe that we are loved deeply by the Lord, that he sees our heart and he wants to, in a way, just pour this blessing of his presence into our lives and we don't have to feel guilty or shamed anymore. I have no idea where that came from, but maybe it was God. Anyway, I want to pray and then we're going to do... Because oh, it's really... Oh, quick stand. God's quick. Oh, sorry. Oh. Um, can I just get you to put your hands out because it's just good to do that. And I feel like God's been speaking to you. Lord, I thank you for what you've been saying to us. You're a great God. And I feel like there's some of you who are just going, Lord, I want more. I want that table full of stuff. 
and I'm frightened to run because I'm just not too sure whether you say this is not for you. It's for every one of you in this room, without exception. And this invitation from God to run into his presence. David sought you out, Lord God. Stir that in us. Lord, I, I pray um, um, the, the gift of worship over every one of us here. Not that you'd be able to sing and play music, but that God would just put worship in you. Holy Spirit, stir us with worship. Stir us with hearts who just want to honour you, want to go to you, want to get close to you. Holy Spirit, come. Let your power come. Let your power come. That's it. Let him come. Just let him come. I want you to be honest with yourself. If you are here, keep your eyes closed to stay connected to the Lord. If you want more, that you've wondered whether you're allowed to, then I want to encourage you to come forward. You've just thought, Lord, no one notices me. No one sees me. No one points me out or comes to pray for me, but I want more of you. Well, then come forward. Now, I mean, come on. There's a whole bunch of you who are like, yep, I want this. I want all that has... Victoria, the Lord loves your heart. Even your name. You live a victorious life and you are bubbling. And I just feel like the Lord wants to give you courage to say, yep, all that you want. Bless you. There's more. Come on. There's more. Yes. Yes. Come on. I think it's okay to be greedy for more of God. If you're wanting God, like God saw in David, he was a, uh, he was a giant killer. If you need a giant killed this morning, come and um, come to the Lord and uh, let's kill that giant. There's a, whole, there's a number of you who need giants killed in your life. Come on. Come on. Active. 
Who needs giants killed? Come on, some of you got giants in your life that you go, Lord, I need this thing taken out of my life. There's stuff that's just, it's too big, it's too, it's too huge. And we need some people to come and pray. So if you want to come and pray for these guys, that would be awesome. But there's some more people who actually need, like, I'm going to start pointing people out in a minute. <laughs> well, I want to invite you. Come on. Need some guys to come up and pray here. That would be good. More, Lord, more. Let your presence keep falling. Just keep receiving from the Lord. Keep receiving. Father, I pray that, that those of us here who have big things in our life that seem insurmountable at the moment or are getting in the way, Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would fight that fight, that you would stir boldness in us to be even like David, who would stand up and realise that, that, um, that you are the, the God of our lives. So come, Lord. Be the God of my life, Lord. Be the God of my life. Blow some of this stuff that's getting in the way of me pursuing more things of you. Get that stuff out of the way. Of me obeying you where I doubt myself. Thank you, Lord. Let me just pray a blessing on us because I know I've sort of gone over time. Father, we just bless you. We thank you that you are the God of our lives. Thank you that you're part of us. Help us to be people who worship you, who humbly trust you and follow you. And Lord, that we would honour you all our days. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. If you feel like you need to get, more, get some prayer, come out. If, uh, if God puts on your heart to go pray for somebody, go do that. That would be cool. God bless, guys.